You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 216. Leadership Lessons from the Gospel of Mark. And if you've been with us the last few episodes, you know that we've been in in, in Matthew's Gospel pulling some leadership principles, some leadership thoughts from the life of Jesus and, um, you know, things that we see illustrated in his life, but also things that he said that would help us as leaders. And today, we're going to turn our attention towards the Gospel of Mark. And you know, as we always do when we start off with a new book of the Bible, we want to deal with three key issues, the audience, the author, and the text, just to give us a little background. So the audience, who was Mark writing to? Well, we know from other other extra-biblical sources, namely the church fathers, that John Mark spent time with the Apostle Paul. He was, he was a team member with Paul, but after that, he was with the Apostle Peter in Rome. In fact, um, the church father Papias said that Mark traveled with Peter as his interpreter. And what he's probably saying there, probably using their word for our modern word of translator. He was probably uh, Peter's translator as he preached in and around Rome planting churches. So as Peter would preach in Aramaic, Mark would translate it into Greek. So it's very likely that he was writing to a Roman audience in the Gospel of Mark. Um, one of the things we do know is that he's writing to people who didn't care that much about teaching. Um, he was writing to people who were concerned with action because Mark doesn't give us nearly the amount of teaching that Matthew or Luke or even John do, but he does give us more of Jesus' miracles and supernatural signs and um, supernatural things that Jesus did. So it's a, a much more action-packed book, uh, hence my book, Miracles in Mark. So that's who we believe the audience was. And the author himself, we referred to John Mark, but who was he? Who was he? Well, we know he was Barnabas's cousin. We also know that he, he had a rocky start in his relationship with Paul. And I've spoken about that at length in other places. And if you want to hear more about it, definitely check out. Um, you can um, just type in, uh, Mark in uh, uh, the search engine for the podcast or for on my blog, davidspell.com, because I've written about it in other places. So definitely check that out. But we know he had a very rocky start as a leader, but he finished really strong. Uh, Paul said at the very end of his ministry, he told Timothy, bring John Mark with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So their, their relationship had been restored. As we said, he was with the apostle Peter in Rome. And, uh, you know, had a great ministry there. But he also ended up becoming the bishop of Alexandria in northern Egypt, or northern Africa. So um, a really powerful and effective minister of the gospel himself. And then 
textual issues with the Gospel of Mark. None of those really come into play with what we're going to be talking about, but if you're interested in, in uh, the textual issues that, that go with Mark, and there are several, um, I encourage you to do a little more study on your own. I've written about it and done podcasts on um, you know, the ending of Mark and some of the other textual stuff that's there. But before we move on, we're going to talk about, we're going to go right into some leadership stuff out of Mark. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. Now, the reason I wanted to highlight New Testament Snapshots today is there is an extensive chapter in there on John Mark himself. And so it talks about um, the, the early part of his life. We also talk about the early part of his ministry and how he eventually became a really key leader in the early church. So definitely check that out. There will be a link in the show notes for it. Well, okay. As we begin to explore some leadership lessons from the, the Gospel of Mark, what I want to just touch on today is... How Jesus called his followers. You know, we know that that Jesus had 12 key followers, but there were also a lot of other people that followed him. And I want to just touch on Jesus and his disciples and uh, the team that he built. I'm going to read a couple of passages of Scripture. And, uh, you know, it's really fascinating when you look at how Jesus developed his team. Um. This is in from chapter 1. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they followed him as well, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And then one more. This is from chapter 2. It says that Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi. Other places identify this as Matthew, probably obviously the same person, just two different names. Son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth collecting taxes. Follow me. Jesus said, and be my disciple. Levi got up and followed him. Now this is interesting because these are, in in Mark's gospel, the first uh, five disciples who were called. You see uh, John gives a little bit of a different uh, list. I mean, it's the same people, but just the order. And um, But we see here the first five disciples, four fishermen and a tax collector. Now, What's fascinating about this is Jesus is not calling disciples in the conventional way. Look, Jesus wasn't the only rabbi. He wasn't the only teacher that was walking around and teaching God's word and teaching God's law. There were many others. But what set Jesus apart was the way he found his followers. Most of the other rabbis would go to the temple and they would find the the brightest and the best theological students and select them, give them an invitation to come and follow him. Jesus does the exact opposite. He goes out and finds four fishermen. And obviously they've had no theological training. They're probably not that educated. 
And then Matthew, or Levi as it refers to him here, is collecting taxes. Well, he's a uh, would be considered even by the other disciples as a traitor to his own people because he's working in conjunction with the Roman government to um, collect taxes on them, which, of course, they all felt was unjust. So isn't this interesting, the way Jesus built his team? And what does this tell us? Well, first of all, Jesus was looking beyond the surface for locating leaders. I'm going to give you three things that we need to look for when we're selecting people in just a second. But just as a preliminary comment, Jesus looked below the surface. He didn't just look at the surface. And that's so important when we're selecting leaders because we can look at somebody who who may just look great on the outside, but are they going to be with us to the end? Because that's one of the things about these disciples. Obviously, we know about Judas and the fact that he denied Jesus. But what about... These other 11, I mean, you know, they had their own failings as well, but they were with Jesus, and, and, and they were the ones that Jesus used to build the church. Um, those 11, and then they added a 12th, and then, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul came along later. And they began to build the church and take the gospel message all over the known world, and even beyond uh, Thomas, who you know we think of as doubting Thomas, well, he took the gospel further than anybody else traveling to India. He actually spent 20 years in southern and eastern India preaching the gospel, planting churches, and spreading the good news of Christ. He eventually lost his, his life in India by a radical Hindu. So um, these were the men that Jesus picked, but again, it's it's not what we might think. We might think, well, he should have gone and picked, you know, other religious, somebody who was studying theology because um, they would be better equipped. Well, Jesus didn't take that way of thinking. He didn't have that way of thinking. And so for us, this tells us that when we're developing leaders, when we're training leaders, when we're selecting people to be a part of our team, it's okay to think outside the box. I mean, this is about as far outside the box as you can get in, in, in selecting people to, to be leaders and people to be on your team. Um, all the other rabbis would have said, Jesus, you're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. And yet, Jesus is the one who <laughs> is still around and his, his followers are still around 2,000 years later. So let's look at maybe three things that Jesus could have been looking for when he looked beneath the surface. First of all, character. Character. What is character? Well, obviously, it's it's doing the right thing. Um, you know, we think that it's important for, for our people who follow us to do things right, but it's much more important that they do the right thing. Um, character is, is, is that ability to do the right thing when there's really nobody else watching you, when nobody would catch you if you didn't even do it right, but it's doing it right because it's the right thing to do. Uh, character is that intangible, that person who has that, not just a desire for excellence, but a, a desire to do things morally right, a, things, a, a desire to do things just because it's the right thing to do. You know, I was in law enforcement for almost 30 years and got to the rank of, retired at the rank of lieutenant, but as a, a corporal, a sergeant, and then as a lieutenant, you know, what you find is now you're supervising people that really you don't have direct control over. And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you, you'll see your officers at the beginning of the shift, and then you send them out, 
and you might see them once or twice during the shift, but they're out interacting with the public, they're out handling calls, they're out solving people's problems, they're out dealing with crises, and really making life and death decisions, and you have to trust that they have the right character because you can't be there to look over their shoulders. And it's really, you know, um, none of us like being micromanaged, but we also understand the reason people micromanage is because they're scared, they're insecure, they're not trusting that you have the right character. But as leaders ourselves, we want to choose people and select people who have the right character. Well, how do we do that? How do we know they have the right character? Well, you know, we ask the right questions during the interview. We, um, if they're married, we might meet with both the husband and the wife. And I'm not talking about for just a regular job. That would be kind of strange, um, inviting a wife or her husband in to, to interview with their spouse. But in a church setting, we can do that. If, if you're selecting somebody for a ministry position, then you want to make sure that their family life is in order. Um, you might give you know scenarios. What would you do if this happened? And then see what they say. You can find out so much about people just by giving scenarios. You know, we do this with our. We have a a safety team, a, a security team, safety and security team for the church. And you know, one of the things that's part of their process for getting on the team is we actually put them on a simulator where they have to interact with a a screen that's being, a video that's being projected on the wall, and they have to make crucial decisions. Um, they have to use, you know, the right verbal skills to try and de-escalate a situation. They have to, um, you know, uh, I'm looking to see, are they trying to de-escalate it, or are they using um, language that may actually escalate the situation and make it worse? Um, because we've got to p- have people that have the right temperament and have cool heads. But it's the same in any position. Look for ways that you can check their character. Um, it might be, in a, again, in an in a interview situation. What would you do in this situation? How would you respond to this situation? And just see what they say. And then obviously after they get the position, if you hire them, then you're going to watch and check their character because you want the right person. You want the right character. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, when you look at the, the disciples, these were men of character. They weren't without flaw. We're not talking about perfect. And obviously Judas was flawed from the beginning. But these were men who Jesus chose who had excellent character. They did it right most of the time. They got it right most of the time. And after Jesus left, They kept getting it right most of the time. And you know what? We're dealing with people. That's about the best we can ask for is that they get it right most of the time. So character. And then also chemistry. You know, when you look at the people that Jesus picked to be his followers, the people who um, he was going to be with for three years, he picked people that had good chemistry. You know, there's something about picking the right people, people that you actually want to spend time with. I'm always amazed when leaders put a team together that has drama. And it could have easily been solved. It could have easily been uh, prevented. But yet they had their eyes on a talent. They had their eyes on a skill. And they weren't looking at chemistry. And now they're stuck with a team of people who may not like each other. There may be conflict and there may be constant friction 
because there's there's no good chemistry there. So how do we pick the right chemistry? Well, you know, we, we do what Jesus did. I mean, first of all, a lot of these people were following him for a period of time before he actually selected them to be key disciples and leaders. And so um, if you're promoting somebody from within, you've had a chance to see them in action, to watch them, to see if it's the kind of person that you might want to, you know, spend time with. And this is important. Um, you know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm working with somebody, if it's somebody that's on my team, I want people that I actually enjoy hanging out with. So pick the right chemistry to start with. And then the third one, the third thing that Jesus looked for was their competence. And notice that this one is put third because really Peter and Andrew and James and John were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. The other guys were probably a collection of farmers and maybe small merchants. We don't really know. But these are the guys who we know that what they did, they were not trained ministers, and yet Jesus took them anyway and trained them. You know, there's something powerful about being able to train and develop your own people. There's something about taking somebody and being able to um, train them the way that you want them trained, not having to correct um, you know, bad habits, but really start from the very beginning building the good habits in. So character, chemistry, and competence, these are the three things that you see Jesus um, drawing on. And I think for us as, as leaders, we would do well to do the same thing. And then the last thing we'll touch on in this episode is this. Um, everyone that Jesus called did not follow him. You know, there's this uh, a really profound story in, in Mark's gospel about what we referred to as the, the rich young ruler. And this was a man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I want to follow you, but what do I have to do? And Jesus, being Jesus, realized that this young man had some issues that would keep him from being the disciple that Jesus needed. Remember, Jesus is picking for character, he's picking for chemistry, and he's picking for competence. Well, this young man, really, when Jesus told him what it would require of him, he turned and walked away. Jesus said, hey, listen, I'd love for you to come follow me, but you're going to have to get rid of all your possessions. Now, he didn't tell every disciple this, but he did tell this young man this. He said, you've got to get rid of it all and come follow me. And it says the young man walked away. And you know what's fascinating is Jesus didn't go running after him trying to talk him into coming back. He didn't say, hey, listen, we can work on this. Maybe half now, half later. You know, give away 25%. No, Jesus held to his guns. And I think for us as leaders, we have to set a standard for the people that are going to be on our teams, for the people that are going to be part of our business or organization um, or be leaders in our church. We have to have a standard and we have to hold to that standard. We, we, we don't lower it because somebody comes in who has a competence that we need. We don't lower it because they have the chemistry that we need. They might be our friend, but if they don't meet the standard that we've set, then we have to lower it. There have been folks who have wanted to be on the, the safety team at our church, but they haven't met the standard. And these are friends of mine. These are people that I'm friend, friends with, but they haven't met the standard. And so Jesus set a standard and he held to it. And for us as leaders, we need to do the same thing. Well, now it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. 
leave me a question or comment in the comment section about today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I would love to stay in touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to continue developing leaders. Thank you.